Poole Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. Lakeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. to the Emerald Couch. Uh, We've made it to episode five and have no plans of stopping now. So thank you guys again for your support and continuing to listen. Um, I love getting texts from friends and people I know or people who've shared um, this podcast with people just saying how much they've really enjoyed it. Um, Especially I've gotten a lot of texts about last week's episode that featured my lovely mother. Um, So a lot of friends who happen to be mothers, particularly single mothers, um, really appreciated the words of advice and encouragement that she gave. And so the hope is that we keep having great guests like her um, to be able to come and share their experiences, um, as well as just to keep offering a space for us to have conversations um, around things that really play a part in our overall well-being and mental health. But Uh, We all often get to talk about it. And so um, I definitely hope that you guys will keep listening um, and keep tuning in and keep letting us know what else you guys want to talk about. But um, we're going to keep rocking and rolling. So episode five of the Emerald Couch, let's do it. So um, I think we have spent, I guess, the first four episodes really trying to connect mental health and well-being to very specific areas. So we've talked about friendship. We've talked about motherhood. Um, we've really tried to kind of drive home the point of being able to think in a critical way around counseling and what it looks like when we had sort of our counseling appreciation month episode. So, um, the hope is that we'll continue to maybe get more specific, but obviously as we keep, um, this conversation going, cause I, I like to think of these episodes as really one big conversation that we just keep having week to week to week together, um, is that, you know, we really want to link this to everyday um, usefulness around mental health. So it's the day after Mother's Day. Um, shout out again to all the mothers and mother figures. We definitely hope you enjoyed your special day on yesterday. Um, as we continue our acknowledgement of Mental Health Awareness Month for the month of May, I thought it might be relevant to have a discussion about wellness and balance and what does it mean to maintain both of those, um, not just every now and again um, or certain times a year. Like I've talked about before, at the beginning of the year, people really get on you know, the, the resolution train and um, the start of new season. So spring is here. So people are, you know, getting back, maybe working out or eating right or repairing relationships, starting new ones. 
Um, but really, we need to figure out how do we do that all year long and not feel like it's ever too late um, or too soon to start uh, maintaining good balance and wellness. So I thought it would be important to talk about what it means to practice holistic wellness, which is something I definitely push for with all of my clients, regardless of whatever other issues they're facing um, or we're working together to help them through. It's it's a critical piece. So um, before even getting into how somebody might make changes and set goals toward this, um, I think we first have to have a discussion about what wellness even is and kind of what are the major areas and components um, that make up wellness. So we're going to dive into that. I, I definitely love uh, being able to talk about this because I think it helps for people to realize that there's more to wellness than just um, waking up, getting good sleep, uh, maybe enjoying your job, having good relationships and just doing it all over every day. Um, there are definitely specific areas of wellness that all of us have to pay critical attention to in order to make sure that we're doing well and at our best. So we're going to start with each of those and I'm going to talk a little bit about each one and hopefully give some good examples and um, see where our conversation goes. So the first area that I want to talk about is physical wellness. So this is the area that most people think of um, probably when they think about wellness. I think you know, it doesn't only include physical fitness and exercise, but this for some people includes scheduling like your annual wellness checks. And so this is for my guys and my ladies. We all have things that um, on a yearly basis we should be checking in on, particularly as we reach certain age brackets and um, some of the health disparities that we see happening um, culturally. So making sure that, you know, when you start thinking of physical wellness, it isn't just physical fitness and exercise, but um, maintaining a healthy uh, lifestyle. So other things you might consider would be, you know, eating a balanced nutritional diet, but also making sure that you're moderately and responsibly using, you know, prescribed medications or alcohol, you know, things that legally are available, um, but when misused can definitely cause harm. And so um, that too plays a part in what physical wellness actually looks like. So to sum that area up, I think when people are thinking about, you know, how do I assess my physical wellness? I think the question you have to ask yourself is, are you taking responsibility for your health? Not just going to the gym and um, working with a trainer or working with a nutritionist, but how committed are you on a daily basis um, to being responsible for how healthy you are in, in every way that you can? So um, that's our first area, just to give you an idea of, of one. Um, another area is financial wellness. So this is all about taking responsibility for your financial decisions. So, you know, these are questions that you might ask yourself, you know, like, do you do your spending and saving habits reflect your values and beliefs about money? So, you know, are you someone who wants to, you know, not just be rich, but to be wealthy and have um, sustainable income and financial gains? Um, and do your habits fit with that? You know, what are you spending your money on? Um, thinking about do you actively plan for fluctuations or periods in your life where you may not have income or becomes limited because of, you know, circumstances. Um, I think that that's another huge component sort of for that financial wellness piece. 
And then I think one of the other areas, and this is something for me over the last two years, I've definitely paid um, special attention to is, you know, what type of wealth building are you doing? Have you looked at what, you know, type of life insurance do you have? What type of investments are you making? Um, And I, again, I'll use myself as an example. This is something for me that I definitely have paid much more attention to, um, particularly as I knew I was starting a business and maybe seeing some salary gains or promotions on the job. Um, Oftentimes we get very excited about sort of new levels of income that we don't come up with a plan for them. And so it starts to get really exciting to get a raise, to have promotions. And for those of us that maybe didn't grow up necessarily learning about financial management and long-term planning, um, it's critical to make it a priority now. So that's a conversation I often have with um, friends and colleagues, particularly other people of color, um, in that in most instances, you know, resources that are coming into a household need to be utilized now for food or for uniforms or for um, everyday necessities to the point where conversations around saving and um, wealth building, while they may come up, they never seem like a realistic goal. And so now for this generation, particularly um, those of us who identify as Millennials, even though I'm an 80s baby, I'm I fall in that category. Um, is to really start to think about, you know, how are you managing your finances and what does that look like? So, um, I personally, whenever I have sort of a um, financial management or long term planning question, I reach out to my financial planner, who also happens to be one of my best friends. Um, so shout out to Mr. Adam Tolliver of New York Life. Um, but I appreciate him because even as my friend, he's very honest with me about, you know, what do I need to do to maybe reach a savings goal? Or if I have um, a big purchase that I really want to make, how realistic Um, Is that something I can do this year versus a year from now? And and even things like maintaining your credit, um, all of those things are a part of financial wellness and well-being. And so I call Adam for everything, probably things he wishes I didn't call him for. um, But, you know, these might be small but significant purchases. So like, you know, a new laptop that maybe is just a little bit more than what you would normally spend um, that you might pull money from your savings for um, to a larger purchase like down the road, like someone, you know, maybe buying a home or their dream car, um, planning a huge vacation or a wedding. Um, those are all things that, you know, again, when strapped for money causes us stress and anxiety. And so I'm sure um, that I drive him crazy a little bit and probably scare him with some of the financial investments I would like to make. But I think it's critical to consider present day spending um, while you're saving for the future. And the only way you get to do that is by talking about it. So, um, you know, definitely thinking about what that looks like for you, in particular, when it comes to your financial well-being um, is also a critical component of this concept that we're talking about of holistic wellness. So another area um, would be intellectual wellness. So this one often gets overlooked. And I think that's because people don't necessarily consider that component of themselves to be one that they can help to foster and grow. I think a lot of people immediately when you say intellectual wellness, assume that it has to do with, you know, education only. Um, But there's there's other kind of components of it and really the bigger pieces around mental stimulation so you know your ability 
um, and enjoyment in learning about new information? You know, do you maintain positive thoughts? Um, how satisfied are you with like your vocational and educational pursuits? So that's where that piece maybe plays in for people looking for that. But um, I think the bigger piece is like, you know, are you stimulated mentally? That's intellectual wellness. So really some of the questions you have to ask yourself for that is, you know, are you committing time and energy to your professional growth, um, but also to your self-development? So doing things that you love that, you know, really kind of lights your fire internally and makes you excited, makes you um, feel even hopeful around some of the goals that you might have. And then I think, again, being able to have the balance to say, you know, am I also, you know, working on, yes, my intellectual um, stimulation when it comes to vocation and education, but are you also doing that with, you know, interests and hobbies? Are you also finding time to do things that maybe you can turn um, maybe your work brain off a little bit and just enjoy um, discovering new things, trying new foods, you know, participating in activities from your bucket list? Those things help to really stimulate um, that intellectual wellness component that, again, is critical, but often overlooked. So on the opposite end of that, another area that I think people, when you start talking about wellness, particularly in mental health, that people talk about all the time, but I don't necessarily know that they have a clear understanding of what it really is, um, is emotional wellness. So immediately when I say emotional wellness, people think like, okay, well, I spend most of my day smiling. I don't cry all the time. Um, that's pretty good. And that's not really it either. So emotional well-being is really about having a sense of control um, in your life. So feeling like you have that sense of control and then an ability to adapt to change and challenges. So you know, it would be unrealistic to think that you won't ever have challenges or things that you have to face. Um, but it's how you view those challenges and those changes when they come. What do you do? Do you shut down? Um, do you go into a panic or a worry? Or do you find a way to, you know, be resilient and bounce back? That's sort of the level of emotional wellness that we all should be aiming more for. Um, I think the bigger piece here that, again, people don't necessarily uh, think about is, you know, what are truly your perception of your problems? Um, and do you see them sometimes as opportunities for growth, not just that it's an issue and I'm kind of stuck with this issue versus, you know, is there a way for me to be able to have a better understanding of how can I come out on the other side of this um, better than ever? So really being able to figure out within your life when things happen or challenges come, are you able to sort of regain your footing and find that sense of fun and emotional stability um, that's necessary for you to keep going? Um, and again, that's another critical piece that I think often gets overlooked as well. So our fifth area um, is social. So this component of wellness really, again, people, I think, immediately think, well, I have good friends or my coworkers like me or I participate in, you know, these community groups where I meet a lot of people. So I'm around people all the time. Um, and in this instance, it's not really about the quantity. It's more about the quality. So social wellness really has to do with, you know, do you perceive that you have trusting relationships um, in your life? Are those the things that you know, bring you kind of joy or they help keep you grounded um, as well as like within those relationships, what's your ability to resolve conflict 
and be able to set personal boundaries for yourself as well. So being able to say no, even if it is, you know, your best friend, if it's something that causes you distress or you can't do it, you know, how happy um, are you going to be when you have to say no? And, you know, it maybe makes you feel some sense of guilt. Are you able to kind of resolve that internal conflict by knowing that it's a part of your well-being to have set maybe those boundaries in place? Um, So overall here, I think the question people have to ask themselves is, do you feel like you have a sense of belonging and an awareness of other people's feelings to the point where you're able to manage what things you feel um, are necessary for you to have a balanced social life? Our final area um, is spiritual wellness. And so immediately for this area, I think there's a misperception of spiritual wellness as being solely tied to um, someone committing to or aspiring to a religious uh, group or or identity. Um, so, you know, centered around certain practices and the way in which they express their spirituality, when actually spiritual wellness is really more about having a sense of meaning and life purpose and um, have you found kind of what that purpose is and do you feel like on a daily basis you're working to enact that in your life every day. Um, So this person, you know, would be someone who really practices um, reflective growth in really everything that they do. So kind of fitting with that emotional piece, are they able, you know, to adapt and change um, when challenges come up? But really, do they see sort of the bigger picture of like, how can I take this thing that has come up and um, reconceptualize it to understand what meaning it served? And how can I utilize it as I move forward um, in my life to help me to grow? Um, So, you know, Things that you also have to ask, I think, would be, do you have specific principles or ethics that you utilize to guide your life? Um, Are these the ways in which, you know, you kind of function with the people in your life and, and interact with others in your life? Are they kind of the driving force around what you stand for? Um, And so, again, it's not so much tied into like certain religious practices, because I think sometimes those could also get us in a lot of trouble and make us pretty rigid, um, both towards other people, but also internally and and cause some conflict. So I think being able to figure out, you know, what is going to be the ethics or the principles or the moral code um, that allows you to be reflective, but also to grow in the way that you need to. So those are our six areas, um, or at least the main six areas that I like to focus on when working with clients, um, because again, it gives them a a clearer picture um, of what it looks like to really say I'm well. It's not just, again, one part of those. So each of those really could be their own area of saying like you're well, but if the other ones are out of balance, then what happens? So those again are physical, financial, intellectual, emotional, social, and spiritual. And so being able to have um, balance in each of those creates a better life and it allows you to really have the opportunity to then figure out, okay, if I'm lacking one of those areas, how do I make changes? How can I set some goals? How can I reevaluate what I need in order to move forward? So that's just our general convo around holistic wellness. I think the second part that I want to talk about today um, is how do you then 
you know, once you've assessed where you are, how do you start to create the actual plans? And so, you know, because I'm biased, obviously talking this over with someone in your life who can help you through this in an unbiased and non-judgmental way, like a therapist or a counselor, um, is my first recommendation. But I think that there are ways, even before you get to that first therapy session, that you can do this. And so um, you want to create a plan. So um, those six areas that I just talked about before, um, I usually work with clients and help them kind of go through each of those, ask some of those same questions that I mentioned um, to help them figure out where they are. And so give them really something, a visual picture of like, okay, this is what my holistic wellness looks like now. What areas need some work? Um, and so, of course, as you go through that and you you really answer some of the more specific questions that I didn't go into around each of those six areas, you really have to start to ask yourself, you know, what are the areas I'm strongest in? So what what maintains those? How am I able to so easily maybe keep those in check? Um, and then what are the areas that really just need some work? Why do I neglect um, those so much? Is it, you know, are they linked together? So a lot of folks don't get a lot of the physical care they need, like going to the doctor, um, because maybe they lack the right level of insurance or they don't have everything that they need um, to make that a, as much of a priority. Um, I think the next question you have to ask yourself is what things are you really ready and willing to change? So um, in counseling a lot, we talk about the stages of change and recognizing that even though a person may schedule an appointment, come in um, and say that there's this thing that they want to work on until internally they've accepted that there's something that they do want to work on and that they're ready to do something about it, you really won't get anywhere through the therapy process. And so um, you really have to ask yourself, you know, what things are you really ready and willing to change? So it's it's all good to be able to see, OK, I need work on my physical, my intellectual, and maybe my social. Um, But one, you can't do it all at once. I think that's the first point. Um, But then which one of those really are you in a place right now today when you decide you want to start working on this, ready to do something about? And so you have to be realistic with yourself about that. Um, I think the other piece in, again, assessing and creating this plan is really figuring out what are the investments that are going to be needed So anytime a change has to happen or you're trying to improve um, your quality of life, they're going to be sort of investment responsibilities on your end, like time, energy, money. So joining a gym costs money. Um, Going to the gym costs time. Being able to invest in, you know, interpersonal relationships takes a lot of energy for some folks, especially if you're an introvert like me, um, you have to be really prepared for those sort of things. And so by hashing these things out ahead of time um, with yourself and with your counselor, it gives you less anxiety around getting started, but also helps you sort of think about or foreshadow um, what challenges you might face. So again, they won't run you away, but they just allow you to be um, prepared in a different way. So after you've asked yourself some of those questions, I think then you have to really think about setting some goals, taking some action steps um, and figuring out, OK, what's going to be my first step in um, 
regaining a sense of control in maybe my physical wellness. So that first step might just be scheduling appointments to go to your doctor, to the dentist, to dermatologist, um, just to be able to have those initial conversations get started um, and to be able to allow yourself to at least see where you are with some of that. So um, the same thing would apply to maybe your spiritual wellness. How um, reflective are you? Do you even save time in your day to be reflective? And so a first step or an action step for that might be to take some time on a daily basis, first thing in the morning or at the end of your day to really be reflective on, you know, what what do I value? What are the principles that guide my life? Ethically, what do I believe? Um, those give you very clear and concrete action steps to then kind of move forward and commit to so that when you're ready to just set some structured goals, um, it's pretty easy. And so that's that's another um, next step or I guess good way to get started and going as you start to create this plan. Um, and then the other two are more of from my opinion, recommendations. Not necessarily that you have to, but I think they're useful. Um, One being finding an accountability partner or a group of people. Um, So a lot of people with physical wellness find this easy if you join, you know, a boot camp or you have a colleague or a friend that will meet you at the gym every morning um, before work. Um, But with things like intellectual wellness or maybe even emotional wellness, sometimes they don't feel as... Uh, comfortable to talk about. And so being able to figure out, you know, who or what's going to be that thing that keeps you accountable is going to be critical. So for instance, if intellectual um, wellness is about mental stimulation, this is really about like your ability to enjoy learning and gaining um, insight on new information. Well, do you have someone in your life who's also maybe working on something similar like their self-development or like their career goals and aspirations where you all can have a check-in on a monthly basis or bi-weekly basis? Um, It just gives you, again, that sense that somebody else is working with you um, on taking this step. Same thing with, you know, financial. And I used the example earlier, having someone who works in finances, works on financial planning, helps serve as a financial advisor, um, gives me an accountability because I know that, you know, every six months I have to check in with Adam at minimum um, to be able to say, hey, this is what I spent or this is what I didn't spend or I paid off this student loan. Um, And it just gives you a chance to be able to have somebody um, not necessarily looking over your shoulder, but to be able to just help you feel like you're not walking this journey alone. And on those days where it gets really hard to try to meet the needs of what's um, coming for you as far as your your goals, um, you have somebody who can check in and, and kind of, you know, at least just give you that boost and say, you're doing a good job or you're, you're really figuring this out. Um, the other piece that, again, I think is, optional or just something that I recommend is figuring out um, a progress report or a review date for these goals so um, or for the plan. So I think being able to say, you know, I'm going to spend the next three months working on um, my emotional wellness. Well, you need to be able to put sort of a date on that so that, again, you allow yourself to get to work and have your accountability partners, have your plan, but then to be able to say, okay, well, by this date, um, 
I need to at least have accomplished this and that. And so it just gives you a different um, a different way of like perceiving things by having a timeline or a date to kind of do that. So those are definitely my recommendations around like wellness and being able to plan and give yourself a sense of um, really responsibility for your overall well-being. Because I think a lot of times these aren't the things that um, people think about. Because again, we usually kind of lump wellness up into I feel good, I look good today, and that's kind of it. And there's much more to it than that. So hopefully that's useful to those of you out there who are still trying to figure out the best way to get going on maybe some of your goals. I know we're already in May, but that doesn't mean it's too late. So being able to get started is going to be critical. So Hopefully those six areas will help. And how do you create your plan um, also gives you an idea of, of where to get started. So we're going to take a break right there. and We'll be right back with our next segments. All right, folks, we are back back um we're kicking off one of our signature segments our ask dr lp um so i don't think we had a question last week i think we did the week before so i'm happy that we do we actually got a couple questions and so i picked at least two for us to kind of talk through a little bit today um and then hopefully we'll keep getting more and more in so that we can answer them on air so we appreciate it so much for um you all who have sent them in So the first Ask Dr. LP question um, was, what does it mean to have a mental illness? So I always um, actually like when people sort of ask this question because I think there's so many uh, ways to talk about what mental health, mental illness, um, mental well-being um, kind of plays into this because there's so many different ways that people even define it. Um, So I always like to just tell people first, and I kind of mentioned this to our, today in our conversation earlier around life challenges. Um, we know that, you know, life comes with challenges. And even though you may have successfully navigated through like other difficulties, um, there may be certain situations you've never faced before, or that you've pushed to the side to sort of maintain um, a balance in other life areas. Um, And so there's nothing wrong with seeking out extra support when you need it. And so what I always like to tell people that actually therapy and counseling is for people who have kind of enough self-awareness to realize that they actually need um, that extra helping hand or they need um, the extra support. And so that's something obviously that's admirable and that also shows um, some stability in being able to realize that you need to make a change. Um, So, you know, being able to take responsibility, accepting, you know, that you're in a certain place in your life and then making a commitment to change by seeking therapy. I don't know if as a counselor, I could ask for more. Um, That doesn't mean that there wouldn't be a lot of work ahead for us. But um, being able to recognize that in the beginning of the process definitely makes for a different experience overall. Um. I think another piece is that, you know, when people think of mental illness, immediately we start going to the examples that we see on television and movies and in ways that don't necessarily 
uh, fit with the ideal, you know, perception of what life's supposed to be like, which again is not the same for any two people. Um, but being able to really think about, you know, the ways in which a mental health issue affects your life, which could be any of your life realms, um, is critical. And so in most cases, when defining mental illness, I always just like to say that it's, you know, an internal um, incongruence that happens between maybe the life that you would like to be living and, you know, either your brain's inability to be able to conceptualize that in the way that you want to due to chemical imbalance, life circumstances, environment, um, the list could go on and on and on. Um, but being able to recognize that if you're able to talk with someone about that, that means that, you know, there is a resilient you within there because most people would not, um, have, you know, the ability to recognize that. So, um, that's one of the big things that I think about when people sort of ask that. And I do always like to tell people like, you know, therapy provides long lasting benefits and support for sure. Um, it gives you the tools you need to kind of learn how to avoid triggers or even know what triggers are, um, kind of redirect or re, um, reimagine some of the patterns that might be damaging or dangerous in your life. And then of course, like we've talked about a thousand times today, overcome challenges. Um, because I think from a realistic perspective, all of us, no matter what um, experiences we may have had with seeking mental health support or not seeking it, we all face challenges. And so being able to recognize that our perception of what those challenges are and, and our ability to overcome them um, says a lot or it, it almost can be a predictor um, of whether or not you will be able to overcome them. So. That's probably a way longer answer than um, the person who had this question wanted when it when they asked, like, kind of what does it mean? But um, it's multifaceted. There's so many different ways and there's such a, um, a wide scope um, that, you know, you could talk about. And actually, in all honesty, mental health and mental illness exist on a spectrum from sort of functioning and flourishing in the best possible way um, to mental illness. So there's not... Uh, I wish I could tell you, like, there's a pinpoint to kind of say, well, if you've reached this point, you've gone too far. Um, and in most cases, there are, you know, great solutions, therapy, combination of therapy and medication um, that really can help people to have a better understanding of their mental illness and what they can do to um, support themselves in getting through that and coming out on the other side of it as productive and functioning in a positive capacity. So um, one of the other questions that we got was, when can I expect to see an improvement after counseling? This is actually a question I really love answering too, because I think each person has different issues and goals um, for their therapy process. And so it's going to be different. So the therapy experience will be different depending on the individual. And so in general, you can expect, you know, to discuss things that are happening currently in your life. Um, sometimes you may have to go into your personal history that's relevant to the issue. So past things, um, family patterns, um, past experiences, traumatic experiences, um, and be able to also then report on the progress that you make after each session. So the hope is that you're gaining insight each time. Um, but sometimes you're gonna leave a session maybe even feeling 
worse than when you started and not because the therapy isn't working, um, but because maybe those are issues that somehow you um, had pushed to the side or that you had decided you didn't want to address at that time and life keeps moving. And so you just you've never gone back to maybe address issues from your past with parents or old relationships. Um, So depending on your specific needs, you know, therapy can be very short term um, and kind of solution focused is what we like to call it uh, for a very specific issue. Or it could be long term to deal with, you know, more difficult patterns um, or maybe there's something in your own just personal development that you want that's going to take time. Um, And being able to kind of meet those desires um, isn't something that happens overnight. And so either way, it's most common to kind of schedule regular sessions with your therapist. Um, For some people, that's weekly. For some people, that's biweekly. Those folks who are really just using therapy as kind of like a touch point or like maybe even a dumping ground for the things that they they have and they just have them under control, but want somebody to work with. um, They may just come once a month or every couple months. And so it's just really important to understand that you'll get more results from therapy if you actively participate. Um, and whatever way works for you. And so, you know, the entire purpose is to be able to help you bring what you learn into session back into your life. So I always tell, you know, any of my clients, I'm like, it's all great and easy in here. When we're talking, it sounds amazing. It sounds like you're going to have so much success in putting into practice these things that we just talked about. Um, but when you leave, you know, life kicks back in. You still have your job. You still have your kids. You have other responsibilities. And so, Beyond the work that you do in therapy, you know, your therapist might also suggest some things you can do to support you in the process. You know, so there might be a book or a journal or listening to a podcast like this one, Um, you know, just being able to kind of make note of some of the behaviors that you experience while you're trying to put your goals into action um, and life is still playing out so that then you bring that into your next session to be able to say, well, this was really difficult. This worked really well. Um, but this didn't work really well. And so people seeking, you know, therapy really just have to be ready to make that positive change and have to be open to new perspectives. But the biggest piece is being able to take responsibility for their lives. So I always tell clients as well, you know, this isn't a hierarchy or a dictatorship. It's not my job to kind of look at your life, listen to all your stories, and then just give um, my Um, decree on kind of what you need to do to fix things. I I don't think that's helpful at all. So being able to give you a chance to be a partner with me in the process is the goal. So we're working together to help you get through whatever that issue is or to help you set those goals and achieve them. And so just being able to kind of have that sense of responsibility, I think that's really when people start to see improvement um, in their life, even though in between it's going to be challenge it's going to be up and down but if you've dedicated um to doing that i think you will definitely see a lot of success so those were two really great questions um i hope that people kind of made note of those particularly those of you who may be out there have the same questions and you listen to this podcast every week and you hear us talk about mental health and you kind of just still brush it off a little bit as maybe not one of your favorite things to talk about um being able to submit the questions through the Ask Dr. LP segment is a great way to get your questions answered in a confidential way. So I hope we'll keep getting more questions uh, from week to week. So um, our last two segments are always our pop psych moment of the week and our small talk bookshelf. And actually this week, um, I've combined them because I think 
I have something really exciting to share about like both of those and um I know for sure this week was definitely useful for me in both my preparation for the podcast this week, but also just in general, as I think about my own wellness and how I'm taking care of myself, particularly at the end of what's typically a busy time um, of year for me. So I have dealt with a lot of crises this week, um, both at um, my full time work experience as well as um, in private practice. And so while I tend to think that I have a, a pretty high tolerance for anxiety, I often need to find a way to kind of reset and recenter. And so um, I've really leaned on this past week to um, a, a book that was gifted to me. And so um, it's by a well-known author and poet. And so I figured that was a good way to kind of combine what's my pop psych moment of the week with um, the small talk bookshelf. So this week's bookshelf really might be more for my clinicians that might be listening or clinicians in training. So if you're in school and um, working on becoming a mental health professional, you know, this might be helpful in at least learning more ways of how to practice good self-care. So if you're out there listening, pay close attention. Um, So I was recently gifted a book of poems um, by author Rupi Kaur, um, who is an Indian Canadian poet. Um, She's a writer, she's an illustrator, performer. um, And the title of the book of poems is called The Sun and Her Flowers. And so, Rupi's debut novel, which was also a collection of poetry and prose, was entitled Milk and Honey, and it came out in 2014 and uh, was a bestseller. People loved it. Um, Also another great book. Um, But The Sun and Her Flowers, which just came out in 2017, um, is filled with more great poems and great opportunities just to sometimes be quiet and be still and be reflective. So a little bit earlier when we were talking about our wellness components and we talked about spiritual wellness um, and this ability to have reflective time um, utilizing a book of poetry is a great way to do that again I think people sort of get wrapped up in the traditionalism of religion thinking that they can only read their bible or their quran um, but being able to find other ways in which you're able to express you know the internal conflicts that you might be having and have an outlet for that Um, is important. So I'm not quite done yet with the sun and her flowers, but I've been able to read a good bit of it. And I really, really love it. Um, And it's definitely been for me, um, a great reminder this week of the process of therapy and wellness and healing, um, and how we all need room to do that. But also, again, as a clinician, when maybe we're working with difficult clients or clients who aren't seeing the change that they want to see rather quickly, which kind of fits also with our our Ask Dr. LP question this week. Um, You know, I I saw all of that in in my readings. And in particular, there's one poem that I definitely want to share because it's been my favorite thus far, just to give all of you a little reminder um, of just what wellness and healing can really, really look like. And so it reads... This is the recipe of life, said my mother, as she held me in her arms as I wept. Think of those flowers you plant in the garden each year. They will teach you that people, too, must wilt, fall, root, rise in order to bloom. And so I just love that because I think we all, again, think of ourselves sometimes as 
having it all together or working really hard on our wellness and our fitness and our finances and our social life. Um, But we all have to go through a season of falling, rerouting ourselves and rising again. And so being able to um, really find ways to do that, even if it is through a book of poems, is just really awesome. So such a powerful message as we kind of close Um, a discussion on wellness and self-care today and still keep moving right along with celebrating or acknowledging our Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I definitely appreciate poet um, Rumi Kaur and her book, um, The Sun and Her Flowers, for being both our pop psych moment of the week and our small talk bookshelf feature this week. So super, super excited about that and was really excited to share that with you all. So definitely pick it up. Um, And I'll do my best to remember to post a link where maybe you could purchase it through Amazon if you're interested in reading more and you're definitely a fan of poetry. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of another show. Episode five is in the books. Um, I appreciate you all. I know I say that probably a thousand times or every time Um, I both open and close an episode, but I definitely know that you all don't have to listen. You don't have to share it with your family and friends and you do every single week. And so definitely thank you all for tuning in. Um, Make sure that if you haven't already and you're not one of those folks who are sharing it with family and friends or you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do so. Um, So remember, you can like and follow us on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, And then subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, And we're here every week. So make sure that you tune in and share with a friend. Don't forget to submit your questions for Ask Dr. LP segment. And we will be back for episode six. So make sure you tune in. Until next time.